Oh, I, I got a legitimate reason to be tired again. Oh. Like three weeks in a row. This morning, I had to call the vets at like 8, 8 a.m. To, to ask them to call me back. And they called back an hour later. Not a bad turnover. Because we're trying to get Zelda in for her wee operation. Uh-huh. Which is scheduled for tomorrow. Again. Okay. Ridiculously early in the morning. And me as a person who usually goes to sleep at like 2 or 3. Waking up any time before, let's say, 10 or 11 is pretty dire. <laughs> um, <laughs> especially since every time I've got like a call in the morning yeah, or yeah. an appointment in the morning, I just cannot sleep. And I've got two days in a row of that now. Oh, it's, it's the panic of maybe maybe I sleep in. Exactly. I've just sat there like, but what if I missed the call? And it's just like, well, you're you're more likely to now that you're panicking all night. I didn't, but good. I, I could have. <laughs> oh, and I'm just I'm I'm not mentally prepared to be double of double of this tired tomorrow. Well, let's just make it a short show. Let's just talk for twenty minutes, <laughs> then you can go. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> oh, I know. If only that was true. If only we didn't have politicians watching pornography or, you know, a war. I know. Yeah. Or other terrible things. If there if there's nothing happened, please, world, stop. <laughs> it's been a while since we've had a quiet week, put it that way. It's been it's been a bit it's been a bit. And uh, you know, I, I the quiet weeks are difficult in their own way, but I prefer it if the if the exciting, full of news weeks were just full of better news. Yeah, exactly. Now, my, my main question, and we'll get to this, is uh, is CSOP Raid going to have to start paying for Twitter? Because oh. if it does, then I think bye-bye Twitter. Are we a casual user? That's the that's the real question. Mm, or are we an organization? <laughs> are we? Are we? Are we a news outlet? How organized do you have to be to be considered an organization? Well, to the extent I still have to like look up the password anytime I need to log <laughs> in on a new account. Not that organized. Yeah, okay. Well, you might get away with it. Well, we'll wait and see. I mean, it's still early days whether or not this deal is actually happening because Elon Musk seems determined to just slag off Twitter on Twitter at every occasion. So yeah, there's we'll that. See. I don't think they can stop him. Mm. Anyway, what's been happening before we get ahead of ourselves here? Aside from cat drama, that's about it. But fortunately, I think tomorrow is the final day of cat drama. Hey. And I'll be back to normal life shortly afterwards. Good we, stuff. Hopefully. I'm, I'm sure they'll want to do a follow-up. A little checkup after a couple of weeks, but that'll be less stressful than a full day of, of cat being in the vet. Oh, well, that's that, that's the main thing. She's getting a facelift. She's oh, it's she's upper class now. Like for her own good, rather than just to make her prettier. Yeah, or more yeah. Whenever whenever eyelids is kind of like too inflamed and oh. is pushing back, and the hair is on the eyeball, oh. and it's just like. A constant sandpaper situation, I guess. Oh, that's so no good. They're gonna try and remove the excess and make it normal again. So, upper class moment, Zelda is gonna be wrinkle free on one side of her face. We'll pass on my best wishes to to Zelda, and let's hope that she I'm looks sure she, all the better for it. You'll be hearing her for the next hour, I bet. So, <laughs> just patch, say it very loud. She'll hear you right now. Gosh, okay. Well, Zelda, you be good, and let them yeah. cut off the bit of your eyeball which is bad. <laughs> No, no, not eyeball, eyelid. Eyelid, that's what I meant. Well, the only chat I have for you, James, is um, okay. I am contributing to the slow burning of the world. Oh. Because I am going on holiday next week. I'm flying. Ah, well, the plane would be going there anyway. Well, well precisely, yeah. I'm just giving them the money to, to for them to buy it, to buy the fuel. Going to Venice. Oof, that should be lovely. Yeah. I'm going before it goes underwater. See all the sights, go for a dip. My main concern is... That's about all you do in Venice, right? Right, precisely. I think there's like lots of things to see and lots of expensive Italian food to buy, so there's that too. (laughs) 
Yeah. But also, the back of my mind is is that Graham can't swim. So I feel like right. I, I need to be almost the, you know, the concerned parent with a small toddler, just like constantly watching them and not making yeah, sure get like a harness i don't turn my we have a harness but that's not for that we uh <laughs> don't turn my back for a second uh just in case you're know, just in case there's a big splash yeah or rather in his case a very little splash and <laughs> then i'm thinking oh no He's fallen in the canal. Yeah, all right. So now what? Just, you know, watch some tutorials on gondola safety before you go and just, you know, absorb okay. all the information about how to be safe on a gondola and you'll be fine. Uh huh. You, sometimes you have to duck under some bridges, but yes. only you'll have to duck. It'll be okay. Because I'm sure that, for example, people do fall into the water in Venice probably every day. I wonder if there's right? stats for that. But how many people drown? I'm sure there are stats stats for that but really there should be i should be focusing on the positives here i also want to like (laughs) learn some italian within the next seven days so i don't come across as a total idiot well you probably are seven days is is pretty quick we'll we'll, we'll see how we get on even just like basic greetings would be lovely right but that's what google's there for i mean uh, yeah just crack out the old google translate and press the play button and all the the, all the phrases just Mm. let the google do the talking for you it'll be fine and do the the Italian thing with my my thumb and my first two fingers and just like oh, wave that in the air. Do not. If, I bet you're gonna. I bet you're gonna do it. You're not gonna think about it. You're gonna do it, and you'll regret it immediately. Oh. Molto bene. I'll just say that a lot in that oh, dear. lilting accent. They'll be like, "Whoa, this no, guy's totally you gotta, Italian." You gotta just list all the local foods. I bet they love it when people walk around going pizza, pasta, ha ha ha. The Italians, they're gonna, they're gonna adore it. Yeah, well, maybe the other thing is that Graham, because he is, uh, he's got much darker complexion than me. Also, black hair and you know, the the facial hair to, to match, right? C- may well get mistaken for an Italian. Whereas for me, it's oh, very clear I'm a white very obvi- British yeah, person. Very obvious. You're from the the north. So we'll report back on how often we get stopped in Italian, and how long it takes them to quickly realize that we are. From a very different part of the world. Like, you know, maybe some, maybe, maybe you'll get recognized from somebody who uses their VPN to oh. get UK, like, YouTube videos and stuff like that. You'll, <laughs> you'll, you'll get recognized from their adverts. Yeah. Okay. Well, I mean, that would be a first. I've only ever been recognized uh, twice, one of which was at uh, Glasgow Green in the height of STV's launch in 2014 or SV Glasgow's yeah. uh, launch yeah. and some some big boy in Glasgow Green he was like oh you you you'd fit off the telly uh, can i get a wow. picture and then we both we both did a, like a thumbs up pose cool. and it's maybe the worst moment of my life i did see one of your youtube adverts recently actually oh did you yeah it, it was a very nice how how much uh, cringe did you feel so much your audio needed some work i got to say call i got to oh, say oh uh, is is that the one that was done in my flat yeah yeah so so i said to them i said hey this audio is terrible <laughs> it was just the worst do you want me to redo it and they said no we we like the authenticity of it no you know shouting in an echoey reverby no. room and i said okay and then oh. they published the video and then, like within two days, they're like, "Hey, hey, can you can you redo this, please? <laughs> and just mic yourself up this time." I said to them, "I said, look, I did tell you this was going to happen, but at um, least do ADR, okay?" And instead, they've actually just kept the terrible audio of me, wow. like in a in a cave. Like, yeah. have you had an injury that you would like to claim insurance on? And I just, you know, reverb around the room for a few seconds. Twelve seconds of, co- of on on. on, on. <laughs> Well, welcome to the show, 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 show. 
Colin. And here's James. Yep. This is Seesaw Parade, episode 284. It's a pretty nice number. We are Scotland's longest running season one yep. of any mm-hmm. Scottish news slash politics slash yeah. sport slash entertainment slash yeah. general life chat podcast yes. in history. In Scotland. And we've also won awards that we uh, awarded ourselves. Yeah. So we are award winning. Uh, yeah, absolutely. And thank you very much to everybody who got in touch with the show at Seesaw Parade on Twitter yeah, and cool. Seesaw Parade at gmail.com. We do have another audio review to play. <gasps> we are blessed. We are blessed. It's been a great run. But um, dear listener, if you are yet to grace us or bless us with an audio <laughs> review, now's the time because the bank is now empty. The bank you, is closed. Yeah, you know, you don't even have to do an audio review. Um, a written review will you, do. You can just bless us. Yeah, you can just bless us with your words and Colin will read them. Yeah. I, I, if I know you well enough, I'd even I could even try an accent because we all know how good I am at those. Yeah, it's been a long time, and at least if we're copying your accent, it's not offensive. It, precisely, you know, if you're from uh, one of the countries on SoundCloud where apparently uh, we have thousands of listeners, then perhaps I will leave the accent impression to someone else <laughs> who actually is from the likes of Thailand, okay, or yeah. Belgium. We'll just call in some specialists. Yeah, in, indeed, yeah. Uh, but if you're from Scotland or wherever you're from, please do get in touch with the show. Uh, whatever <laughs> you such a good sentence. If you're from Scotland or wherever you're from, <laughs> please get in touch. You don't have to be from Scotland. If you must be from Scotland, then fine. That's acceptable. <laughs> but regardless of who you are, where you're from, age, yeah, sexuality, if you're specifically five foot seven or any other height. If you are over six foot three, we don't really want you listening because you're going to make us all feel very small. But everyone it's else pretty, is fine. It's pretty good feeling small, actually. It's probably people live longer. <sighs> Do they really? Yeah. Oh, okay. Well, that's good to know. Although you can, if you're tall, you're less able to fit in a Fiat. So there's that as well. Yeah, there's a bit of a downside. You just listed another downside as a yeah, but. <laughs> like, I see that downside, but. Yeah, well, yeah, I mean, one. yeah, but also your shoes are really expensive, so. <laughs> And also, everyone like looks up to you, and you feel bad because you're the tallest person in the room. So everyone makes exactly the same weather joke. It's sad. I've done it. You've done it. Everyone's done it. Like I imagine, yeah. it gets very depressing. Oh, it, it must absolutely. It must do. So yeah, tall people sucks to be you. <laughs> if you're over six foot three, let us know how you feel about weather jokes, um, and and just how how that has developed over your life and how, how every time you experience them. Well, dear listener, if you experience bad weather jokes or if you want to complain about where you're from or your height or expensive things you have to buy. Are you from Scotland? Are you from Scotland? <laughs> or get in touch anywhere else. And tell us where you're from, because that's what this show is about. <laughs> learning where people are from. Speaking of which. Man. Yep. Yep. Ukraine. That's not in Scotland. <laughs> You know, that is a place. That is. I would be very surprised if we have any listeners from there. But James, let's talk about it. Sure. Okay, James, let's uh, let's begin. Let's talk about the latest oh, in the continued Russian invasion of Ukraine, which I saw one headline today, uh, Russia denying it's going to call it a war. It's still a oh, special operation. Yeah, I'd, saw, I'd seen headlines that they were going to declare war. So, of course, the next oh. thing they say is, no, we're not. And then they will do it. Yeah, it's like the way I, with certain relatives, me and Graham, 
It's a special friend. <laughs> when everyone else can see the blatantly obvious. So you're here doing, we are. You're doing, you're doing a little bit less war crimes, though. Pretty big difference. Yeah, indeed. Okay, so we're almost coming up to the three-month mark now wow. of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. And, of course, things are still uh, becoming... Increasingly worse by the day, death tolls rising, Mm -hmm. uh, tensions rising. There was some footage shared on Russian state TV yesterday of uh, a nuclear missile hitting the uh, the shores or the coast of the British Isles and the 500-metre radioactive wave tsunami that would uh, wash over the entire island and apparently, according to this graphic, would sink everything. Oh, everything would sink. Wow, okay. Yeah, yeah, we we just disappeared off the map. Suddenly it was just... Spain. I guess the EMP would affect all of those like turbines that are keeping the island afloat. So that's pretty accurate, actually. So that's uh, yeah among a flurry of headlines. But to update you as to what's happening, where we are recording right now, it is the fourth of May. It's Wednesday, and it's uh, the evening. Oh, cl- wait, hang on, hang on. May the fourth be with you. Ah, that was the obvious joke. Wow, it's really clever. I bet nobody's made that one. Before. I'm glad, yeah, that, that we went this far into the podcast without that being said. Now it's been said, and now it's a thing. So back to the you know important yeah. stuff, not inappropriate Star Wars jokes. Hey, we were talking about serious things. Serious yes, voice. Yes. Uh, the EU has today unveiled its proposals for further sanctions on Russia, which once again, James, I saw described as the most serious yet, but it seems like every single oh, time I see that, yeah. it's always the most serious yet. But this one... Well, that's still, that is how escalating sanctions work. It's true. It's not a headline when it's like, we're, we're still escalating them. They're going to be more serious than before. That is, that is fair. So the EU today have said... There will be a total ban on Russian oil imports (gasps) in the EU or across the EU by the end of the year. So within the next six months, these plans do need member states approval, but I imagine most member states would agree to it. Also include sanctions. Yes, I think I think they'd be keen to on individuals and those suspected of war crimes. Hungary says it will veto the plan. Of course, Viktor Orban, uh, the right wing president in that country. Uh, he says that if passed, it would destroy his country's economy. Yeah, Hungary, who uh, actually we've been told maybe we're told about the invasion plans and we're we're uh, maybe going to get a chunk of Ukraine as out of it, you know. Oh. There's, there's rumours going around of uh, somewhat serious things going on there. And as to the, the conflict itself, uh, the mayor of Mariupol says contact has now been lost with Ukrainian fighters who are inside the Azovstal steelworks, which has yeah. they've been there for reportedly a couple of weeks at this point. Uh, at least 200 civilians are still thought to be trapped wow. on the site. There has been attempts to slowly get, the, or rather, let's rephrase, there have been attempts to get them out there, but it seems the Russians are, are just being as slow as possible. So, for example, yeah. it was suggested at the weekend there were a thousand civilians left. Uh, this was suggested that, you know, with 20 buses all in convoy, mm-hmm. you could get everybody out. And instead they sent two wow. buses, which got 100 people out. And so whilst the city is under siege... Uh, largely by Russian forces. This is still affecting civilians every single day, and these are hundreds of people who have been inside the steelworks, sheltering, protecting themselves, and finally they seem to be getting out, but Russia making life exceptionally difficult for that to actually happen. Yeah, Russia not surprisingly keen just to take their time doing anything reasonable and anything, you know, that 
would be good for anyone. I mean, and it, like, you, you can see why. It's just because they are the bad guys. So why would they bother being any less bad? It's the easiest thing to do is just to be the worst. It's, it's a bit difficult to keep being a terrible uh, country and a bunch of terrible people if you're showing that you understand what mercy is as well. So, it, like hopefully this slow evac keeps going and everyone that needs to be out of there gets out of there. That That's all we can really hope for at this point because this... I mean that situation's been dire for months now. We've also had as the uh, yeah the military side of things continue. Denmark and Sweden have both oh, yeah. summoned their Russian ambassadors after Russian airplanes violated their airspace, yeah. which the Danish foreign minister called completely unacceptable. And as we're I believe yet to talk about Finland and Sweden are set to vote on joining NATO. Yeah, they're ramping up. Which is, yes, yeah, something which I believe for the geopolitical situation would be seen as a very bad thing from the Russian perspective. Well, well from the Russian perspective, yeah, this these these moves were basically off the table all along for, for a very long time. It seemed impossible to get, yep. um, get those countries to, to take that big risk or to want to even... In, think about taking that big risk but very quickly you've transitioned from them saying hey i guess we can maybe vote about it after we get elected again to talking about like actually we can vote about it before the next election to some to i think finland and um, the leadership saying we don't even need to vote this is a, this is a matter that we don't think we need to vote for yeah, yeah. Uh, or we can just do it and we can do it even if sweden isn't going to in the end of the day so a very rapid escalation in terms of how keen they are to to join NATO, which Russia will of course see as NATO yep. um, approaching their borders and as aggressive and as an aggressive move, rather than as a um, thing that these countries want to do now that they've seen that Russia will not respect um, the borders of any nation. Yeah, Zelda having her say as well. Yeah. Th- this is just in I'm, the. I'll put, I'll put the I'll put the cat out the door <laughs> in the last few minutes. Hang on, the Defence Secretary Ben Wallace. Uh, who's visiting Helsinki, said that the UK would help Finland if it were attacked by Russia. So this is, if you remember, because Russia is absolutely enormous, it shares a border with Finland, with Sweden, uh, with half a dozen other countries that used to be part of the Soviet Union. And for years, for decades, it was assumed knowledge that Finland would never join NATO mm-hmm. because, you know, why would why would they have to? Because Russia were never going to invade. Yeah. And then because of what's happened over the last few months, Finland and the people of Finland have changed their minds overwhelmingly over joining NATO because they realize, well, hold on a second, if Russia just wanted to invade, we got nothing. We've got no you know, allies who are bound by, let's say, NATO to come and help. Yeah, exactly. So this this to me is really interesting that we've seen this, you know, this idea of Finland joining NATO, which, you know, even at the start of the year, unthinkable, but now looks like it's an, almost a dead certainty. Yeah, Finland, um, much like um, Ukraine, was fairly, and is fairly militarized in comparison to other countries that we're seeing getting worried about their borders, like Moldova, who basically would be rolled over, apparently. Yeah, um, yeah. But even then, even though they, they would be fairly confident in their ability to uh, defend territory, at least, they still see it's worthwhile to uh, have the uh, act of aggression become far more impossible by becoming a, a unified front. I don't really know at what point the this Russian head rush into really bad decisions would stop. I don't know if joining NATO is enough of a reason for Russia not to start just 
testing the waters, trying to cross borders, causing a, a major problem. But we'll find out over the next few months, I guess, because they're not talking about slowing down. They're talking about, well, at least the propaganda is talking about causing war for everyone. Also, in the, the last few minutes, we've had the Ukrainian president, Volodymyr Zelensky, uh, said that he is firmly against the Ukrainian war becoming what he's calling a frozen conflict. Now, this is in reference to right. the fighting in the Donbass region in the east of the uh, east of the country, which has been happening since 2014 yep. and has just been ongoing ever since. Yeah. And uh, in his statement here to the Wall Street Journal CEO Council Summit, he said that previous agreements with Russia, mm-hmm. such as Minsk 1 and 2, which had sought to end the conflict in the Donbass region, were violated by Russia and were not serious. And in a quote, he says, Ukraine will definitely not go into such a diplomatic swamp again. So, J- James, as we've talked about before, this conflict only ends with some sort of peace treaty being signed and yeah. ultimately yeah. Uh, r- Russian forces going back to their own country rather than what they're doing at the moment, which is attempting to make yes. gains in parts of the country they believe they can win. Because I don't see... But the, here's the problem. I don't see any future where the Russians leave the likes of Mariupol, no. which is a Ukrainian city, and say, you know what? Yeah, sure, have it back. Yeah. You know, they're, they're absolutely going for, nope, some of this country is now ours. Yeah, and we've seen Ukraine talking about how they're going to be able to ramp up their counter-offensives and take back land because up until now they've been using most of their outdated weaponry and their outdated equipment whereas now after a few months of having um, supplies and weapons and equipment given to them by far more advanced uh, armies and whatnot they're they're more well trained on that stuff so they're going to start using more of it on the front lines so what we've been seeing is is Ukraine slowly building up the uh, technology that they're able to access to fight back. And that might be enough to put up enough of a fight to push the Russians way out of all of these regions. We just don't know yet. But they are talking about their new ability to use all of these uh, weapons and all the better equipment compared to what they were using, which is almost uh, stuff that's as outdated as going back to like World War II sometimes, which Russia is also using because they've run out of equipment. Um, but you're you're right in that it's really hard to envision a future where Russia doesn't see this as the win and then try and claim that they had this land. And even if they get pushed out of it, they're going to claim that they had it and that therefore is theirs for for certain. And looking at like replacing Putin with whoever is going to step up in, in place of him, most of the people that are looking to take over after him are just as crazy almost. So it's really hard to see that even if Ukraine push all the Russian uh, army and all the Russian forces out of all of the occupied regions, even if they went as far as pushing them back out of Crimea and stuff like that, it's really hard to see uh, a Russian leadership who's willing to accept that and go, okay, yeah, we lost, here's here's peace. Yeah, yeah. Um, Putin, however, and, and Zelensky have both been invited to G20, the next G20. So we'll see if uh, how that goes. They both... I, th- I think said that they've accepted the invitation, but I very much doubt Putin's going to be able to go there I, for health reasons and for safety while away from home reasons. Um, so we'll just see how that pans out. Uh, a lot of people saying it's a bad move to invite them both, um, but um, I think it's the Indonesian leader okay. has made the decision to invite them both to the next summit and 
that's something to keep an eye on over the coming months. I don't know when that is supposed to be. Yeah, I, I mean, I think from even from a personal standpoint, how Zelensky would be able to deal with you know, seeing Putin, it's bad enough if you've had like an awkward breakup with someone and you see <laughs> them like a couple of weeks later, let <laughs> yeah. alone if this is yeah. the man responsible for the death of tens of thousands of your own countrymen and women and children yeah. and a man responsible ultimately for war crimes. How, how can you just like be like, yeah, I, hey, I, hey, hello, shake my hand. Yeah, I, I don't think it's going to happen. I don't think Putin's actually wanting to go. He's just saying that he will and then they'll, they'll claim that they've been uh, it's been made impossible by some Western interference. And I know that the Pentagon is releasing statements to say that they don't think Zelensky should go at all and that Putin's not welcome and all this. So it, it's just a, the invites have happened, but it's not looking like it's actually going to occur. Okay, James, let's uh, move on. Let's talk about what's been happening in British politics or what's been dominating British politics for the last wow. few days. <laughs> oh, what a week it's been. <laughs> and yes, it, it has been... Let's say one where the headlines were ones that I was less likely to have on my bingo card, shall we say. Yeah, So even these, yeah. This is the news that Neil Parrish has resigned as an MP after admitting that he intentionally watched pornography twice whilst in the House of Commons. Unbelievable. Indeed. Mr Parrish, who had represented Tiverton and Honiton in Devon, in the south of the country, for over 12 years, said it had been a moment of madness. In his interview Mm -hmm. with the BBC, he said the first time was accidental after looking for tractors. What internet is he on? (laughs) But the second time was deliberate. (laughs) He was suspended by the Conservatives on uh, on Friday last week over the allegations. Two of his female colleagues yeah. said that they'd seen him looking at the adult content on his phone whilst sitting near them. It was just before a vote was being held as well. Like, yeah, it wasn't just it wasn't in a break. It wasn't when he was like off on his own somewhere. He was in the middle of a bunch of like hundreds people in a serious situation of other politicians. Like, you know, if he wanted to excuse himself to the gents room and just crack one out, I'd be judging him because it's not the thing to do in the professional setting of leading the nation. But, you know, I'd maybe understand that some people are just that that attached to porn. It is an addiction. But like, this goes beyond just some level of addiction. There's a, there's a, casu- there's a casual nature to this that, that you really don't see out with, like, retirees on the bus. Yeah. I've witnessed people like old people sometimes do this, but this is magnitudes beyond that. I could not believe this was real. I was checking the date, figuring out uh, if I'd gone back in time and, and everything. <laughs> nope, no, this actually happened. Yeah, the thing which got most people is, as I mentioned there, his claim that he was looking, looking at, tractors. at tractors and how he got Maybe from tractors like, to pornography. He typed plowing into Bing. <laughs> Well, there was one. There was an image on Twitter which was, yeah, how did you get from that to that? And the suggestion was maybe ploughing. But the one I saw yeah, today I, was uh, the Dominator ta- uh, uh, tractor. Yeah, yeah. Okay, no, yeah. Or so something like an ult- ultimate Dominator, something, something like that. Goes on to Bing, which is a less safe for work search engine, don't ask. Um, <laughs> and then types Dominator ploughing. That's how it works, <laughs> right, for sure. Right. Now, I still don't really buy... It's definitely true, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I do not buy for a second that he was looking at tractors no, no, and no, ended up in no. pornography. However, no. he's had all sorts of people 
including one guy who I believe is a, either a fellow MP or certainly a former MP who perhaps is a friend, who on the BBC was being interviewed, and the question was, do, do you really believe that uh, you could go from tractors to, to what he was caught watching? And his friend was like, oh, absolutely. I, can, oh, I totally see. I can see how that uh, happens. Yeah, I, I've done it. I've done it three times this week. It's like, how, like, what are you searching for to get you from, not just like the search <laughs> well, term, no, but like the website? But it's the conservatives. Oh. They don't know how the internet works. They don't know how media works. I mean, just look at Doris, who's in charge of all of this. And she doesn't have a clue oh. about how the internet works. She doesn't have a clue about the history of the media. She knows nothing. So that's that. That's what you'd ex- that's exactly what I expect from the conservatives and who they vote for is people who genuinely do not know how to search for things and find things on the internet. And I st- even then, I still don't believe him. There is no way it was an accident. No, no, do I. I firmly believe that he intentionally went to do it and either just didn't think anyone could see him. Or didn't care. <laughs> One of the two. Shielded, shielded his phone screen from his neighbours and forgot that people sit behind him too. And this is then part of a wider story which uh, went on in the wake of Neil Parrish's uh, blooper. Right. And this is the news that over 50 wow. British politicians are currently being investigated uh, for allegations of sexual misconduct. Right. That is almost... One in ten British politicians wow. currently accused of this, and three of them are cabinet ministers. Wow. Uh, all of whom have been referred to the uh, parliamentary watchdog. A-, a couple of shadow cabinet ministers as well. They've been reported uh, they're handling 70, this uh, which watchdog, handling 70 separate complaints uh, since 2018, set up in the wake of the Me Too movement. Uh, after various other MPs were forced to step down over the last few years following similar allegations. So this is, uh, and again, of course, just a week after Imran Khan was found guilty of sexually assaulting a teenage boy. Yeah. An underage teenage boy. So this, James, is rather than it just being, you know, a couple of bad eggs, as I believe Quasi Quarteng described it. Yeah. This is a lot of bad eggs. No, there's a clearly a problem. Sorry, sorry I think it was rotten to... apples he used the, instead. Rotten apples, bad eggs. Yeah, it's always the same answers. But it clearly is a problem. You don't get to a point. You don't get to a point where you've got that many people complaining officially about a thing unless there is actually a problem. So you've got to think how many things happen that aren't getting reported to the watchdog for every one thing that is getting reported to the watchdog. And it really paints a picture of the culture of the of the place and the, and the working and all of that stuff that's going on there. And we've known for a very long time that the leaders of our nation have a terrible work culture and terrible ethics and all of these things because, you know. There's just blatant corruption and nobody cares. So it's no surprise that they're also just like abusers and they don't care and that they are going to break rules and they don't care. And we can just hope that we do see an evolution of this culture within within the leaders of the country. You're right to highlight, for example, the ones that we know about. What about all the ones that haven't been reported? You know, even seeing... Uh, an unrelated story of a, a Scottish GP last week who was convicted of uh, of all sorts of horrendous sexual uh, crimes over his years as a doctor. Yeah. And it was only after his 
uh, sentencing was made public that other people clearly saw the story and then got in touch with the police as well to say, oh, by the way, yeah. he did that to me as well. He touched me yeah. at that point too. So you're right. There will be even more that we're unaware of. And the question for me then is, what are the repercussions? Because, of course, we've had Neil Parrish stand down here, clearly under enormous pressure, because in the first instance, he said he was going to stay and wait for an investigation. Yeah. And then the next morning he said, well, actually, you know what? No, I'm out, I'm out, I'm out there. The repercussions, of course, just have to be people losing their jobs and losing. Their, and oftentimes it has to be beyond that, where they have to get reported to the police for a proper investigation into criminality and stuff like that. Whether we'll see that, we don't know, because there's tons of things that have been going on for the last, I don't know how many years, as long as I remember, that were seemingly crossing lines that should be getting reported to the police, or seemingly crossing lines that should be getting people out of their job, but they haven't been for, for a very long time now. So what, while we may know what the right response to all this is, I really have doubts as to whether we'll see it. Okay, James, let's cross the pond and talk about the biggest story oh, yeah. that's been happening stateside. And this is going to continue to uh, run on and on. I'm sure by the time you listen to this, it will have changed again. So this is the news that a leak from the US Supreme Court has suggested that the national right to abortion yeah. is set to be overturned. So the court is uh, due to make a final decision in uh, June or perhaps July, but a draft has somehow got out. So it was uh, Political, the US um, website, which published that, first of all. And if this right to abortion is overturned, it would be repealing uh, Roe versus Wade, which I believe was a 1973 yeah. uh, addition to the, the laws in the States. If this right to abortion is overturned, US states would be able to make their own individual rules and it's expected around half would then essentially instantly ban abortions in their states. This, uh, James, has had a lot of fallout. There have been protests today. There have been protests um, yesterday as well. And this was essentially confirmed by uh, people within the Supreme Court that the leak was, first of all, legitimate, (laughs) but second of all, attempting to figure out how on earth did this get out? But clearly it's because yeah, someone yeah, it's within... it's obviously real because they want to investigate who did it. Yeah, within the Supreme Court, someone said, I can't believe this is happening. Hey, Politico. Well, mm, do you want to see this? Or somebody within the Supreme Court said, I really need to get this in concrete. We're going to say we're going to do it, show that we're already voting for it, and then it, we get it out way ahead of the election, of the midterms and stuff like that. This could come from somebody who's very much okay. wanting to have their own legacy be concretely attached to this decision. So to give you some more context here, the ruling, uh, this draft ruling, which was written by the Conservative Justice Samuel Alito, called the precedent set by Roe versus Wade in 1973, the landmark abortion ruling, described it as egregiously wrong. And moving on from that, the ruling which uh, would as I mentioned there, see new abortion restrictions in half of uh, all, or nearly half of all the states in the US. Right. President Joe Biden uh, reacted to that, uh, decried the leaked decision. He said that a woman's right to choose is fundamental, whereas anti-abortion groups have uh, celebrated this victory, saying the ruling would save millions of unborn children. Uh, 
James, what do you make of all this? And I know this is uh, kind of handling handling you a, a very hot plate. Well, but uh, what would you what would you say about all this? I don't really think it's that hot a plate because a lukewarm the plate. Pro the pro life. Let's put that in quotes. People aren't pro life, and this measure won't reduce the number of abortions that are performed really that dramatically. As far as I'm aware, statistics show uh, <laughs> that if it's not legal. People just find their way to get an abortion yes. out with the law. And that's just the statistics. Um, now, there are much more effective ways to reduce abortions, such as, you know, free access to contraception, uh, good sex ed. But we weirdly, and it's not weird at all, all those very anti-abortion groups are also against things like free access to contraception and against things like good sex sex education. So I would not be surprised if their dream world led to a, a, a United States where there is indeed just more abortions. So yeah, it really doesn't seem to me to be the most difficult thing to tackle because it is just some radical people doing a thing that they've been wanting to do for a long time, but they've been relying on not doing to get the vote. And the scariest parts for me are we've known for decades that the Republicans have very often had the power to make this decision and they've deliberately not done it. We've pointed this out in the podcast before because they require things like this to divide the people to get the vote of everyone who was on one side of that divide, which means that they are confident enough now that there are other things that they can use to divide the people, whether that be like uh -huh. race-related or gender-related and all of those things are we're seeing them be loud about now. And that just paints, paints me a picture that they're going to move on to target those things next. And getting rid of this law has knock-on effects to other similar decisions that the courts have made regarding uh, gay marriage yep. or even just the legality of being gay, you know, yep. and all of those things. So this is just people being not scientific and radical and it's terrifying. So it's not like I'm going to struggle to process what's happening because it's very obvious what's happening. It is not a good call. <laughs> yeah. And going on from that, then what, what about the Democrat side of things? Because a lot of the opposition to this and people who have been disappointed and shocked at this uh, leaked ruling have then then channeled this anger towards the fact that the Democrats, to some people, are doing nothing or perhaps incapable well, yeah. of doing anything They've been trashed. to tackle They've, it. Yeah. Is, is that fair? The Democrats have been trashed under Biden. They've not done enough to secure the power that they do have because right now they, they have control over House and Senate technically, right? But because they've got um, senators like Manchin or uh, representatives like Cinema, uh, I don't remember her name exactly. Um, people, to, people who are obviously just being a weed within the party and getting in the way of reforms and getting away of things. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And they're not doing anything to tackle that dissent. And they're not doing anything to rein them in. Uh, we've we've been left in this situation where while they technically have control, they've got enough. A stubborn rebellion within their own party that they can't get anything done. So being frustrated at the Democrats, by and large, is exactly the thing to do, um, as well as being outraged at the Republican side and outraged at the Supreme Court for 
um, just making these decisions because they feel a certain way and not actually trying to tackle the root of any problem. They don't mean to save lives at all. They just mean to force people to uh, give birth, oftentimes force people to have very dangerous pregnancies that could kill both parent and uh, fetus. And then... Um, forget about them as soon as they're born. Because if people were truly pro-life, they'd be pro a, a whole more, a whole bunch more child support. They'd be pro a whole bunch more uh, free everything for everyone who's having kids, but they're not. And they'd be adopting 10 children, but they're not. And they'd be doing all sorts of things, but they're not. They just want to do this because they think that oftentimes their religious text is telling them to, whereas religious texts really aren't. They don't even mention it. It wasn't. It was not a thing in any of the if any, in any of the religions that I'm seeing when they're where they're trying to reference their own texts. So I I don't get it. As you say, it's also about the real world consequence because regardless of your religious viewpoint, abortions are going to happen, and making them illegal is then well depending on where you live in the states is then going to force women to if they are for example the majority of women who have abortions in the U.S. Mm-hmm. defined as in poverty, they will find a way of doing that, whether that is within the state or, as some people are doing, essentially going across state lines to somewhere where abortion is still allowed, or in some cases, as I'm reading here, to a northern state in Mexico, which has now uh, essentially allowed abortion in that part of the country. So these things will continue to happen. Regardless of what laws say. No, it will happen more because the, the people that are in charge of this are also going to be trying to remove access to birth control and all of those secondary things we talked about. It's going to happen more. Yeah, the, like, that, abortion rate is, 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 is decreasing in the States year on year. You'd have, they'd have you think it's increasing year on year. But over the, over the last uh, several decades, it's been decreasing because people have had, had access to all of these resources to help them not get pregnant in the first place. But that's all going to get taken away. Yeah, as, as I've said there, and I found the, the stats. So it's women who are seeking abortions in the States are disproportionately lower income, young, and already have children, meaning millions may be unable to be in a position to take a cross-country or cross-border trip yeah. to get the care they need. But you know that the people who are making these decisions and forcing them on everyone would be perfectly happy if their own family needed an abortion, flying them off to Europe to get it. They'd be perfectly happy. Uh, if they had an unwanted pregnancy to terminate it, all these same people do not live by the principle they're trying to force on all of those poor, poor, poorer folks. And it is exclusively for invalid reasons, like trying to keep the divide of wealth established, trying to force people to live in the way that uh, an unaffiliated religious text apparently tells them to. And instead of trying to actually tackle the root problems they're just trying to put a little band-aid on that makes it everyone else's problem that they can also profit off of by putting people in prison. Okay, let's uh, stick with the theme of people being out of touch and talk about the Tories who gave us two great examples this week. We had the Environment Secretary George Eustace uh, coming up with some of the most patronising advice for people who are looking to save money. He suggested that families in the UK who are struggling with the cost of living should buy own brand and value products in supermarkets. Oh, wow. I bet they haven't thought of that. Yeah. Oof. And that will help families contain and manage their household yeah, budget. Yeah, revolutionary that is. Definitely has not been a thing that any of us would have been aware of without our 
wonderful MP. And we then had the Prime Minister, uh, I believe just uh, less than 24 hours earlier, in an interview with Good Morning Britain on Channel 3, he was uh, being quizzed about how to help cash-strapped pensioners. And he was given the example of 77-year-old Elsie, who lives in London, and rides the bus all day... Yeah. To cut down on her heating. Yeah. So rather than being in the house, she just goes on a bus all day so she doesn't have to sit in house. Yep, which is just horrible and sad. Because her energy bills have gone up from something like £17 to £84 wow. a month. And his response to that, and you can watch the clip of him do this, is he starts by saying, oh well, uh, to, to remind you, I am the person, the 24-hour Freedom Bus Pass was something that I introduced when I was London yeah. Mayor. What a win. What a win. I made the bus pass that lets this sad thing actually happen, happen. It would be even more sad without me. Uh, and, and that, to me, the, both examples, once again, talking about things we already know um, about the Conservative Party. But that, uh, and these two no, they, examples were just eye-rollingly bad. They, they, it was just they don't care. It would be so easy for them to have the right answers to these questions and to have sympathetic answers and empathetic ones. Even from their austerity standpoint, it is very easy to come up with sentences that excuse things and that apologize for things. But they're, they, they care so little that they can't even be bothered to th- plan ahead and think of the apologetic way to deal with this. And instead, we get things like, well, I made it possible because I'm good. And of course, not forgetting Rishi Sunak, who said uh, just last week that it would be, and I'm quoting him here, silly for the government to provide more help to families struggling with energy bills despite mm-hmm. this uh, mounting mm-hmm. cost of living crisis. Mm-hmm. In, a, in an interview uh, with Mumsnet, Mr. Sunak rejected the idea of further help in the months ahead and insisted he was willing to make himself unpopular by sticking to his spending plans. And James, I'll tell you, having had my first energy bill since the price cap uh, was was risen, was risen? Was raised even. Lifted? It's not Easter. Uh, We, I was given quite the shock as to how much more I paid mm-hmm. this month than it was in April mm-hmm. compared to the, every previous month. And it's only going to go up again in October. Yeah. And I'm someone who can afford it. And you look at these costs and you look at how much it would cost the government to help us and it pales in comparison to how much they'd be willing to dole out to their mates and dole out to failing businesses and dole out to all of the bad plans that they have. But they're just happy to see the general population suffer and struggle because they, again, they don't care. Well, talking of giving more money to their mates and helping out those who they're pals with, uh, we also had uh, this week the Conservative peer, Michelle Moan, mm-hmm. whose properties were raided. Yeah. Uh, this was in connection with COVID contracts, £200 million worth of COVID contracts, uh, which had been inked with a firm owned and run by Michelle Moan, who, as I've said there, is a Conservative peer. Yes. And so the police raided her home a Conservative uh, in peer London. Has been raided. The property of a Conservative peer got raided. Yes. That sounds pretty important. It does. And um, before we talk about the BBC and the fact that they didn't cover the story at all, the wake of this have been, has been government ministers refusing to hand over the papers off this deal. <laughs> They've claimed the files are commercially sensitive. It's now in mediation <laughs> about the yeah. product supplied Surprise. by PPE MedPro, which was, and here's the important fact, people, set up in 2020 
mm-hmm. by business associates of, of Moan, wow. who were then paid two hundred million pounds to provide PPE, two hundred three million pounds surgical masks and gowns. They were asked to uh, to land, and what they got instead was useless and unfit for purpose mm-hmm. gear. Which went completely to waste. Mm. Almost as if... Oh, it's like everybody involved can't be trusted. Almost as if they gave the money to their pals. Because, yes, like, you know, yeah. it's, a, it's a good time to make money. It's like they were trying to profiteer off a pandemic. Who would do that except conservatives? Yeah. And just before, James, I come to you for your thoughts and all that. As I mentioned there, the BBC didn't cover the story at all. Yeah. And I looked for this, and I couldn't find any mention of it, and I don't understand why. Well, it's, you know, I don't want to be too revolutionary here, but it's because the BBC is kind of run by conservative friends. Well, I, I know that, but this one, <laughs> it seemed like almost too obvious not to cover. Nope. <laughs> I'm thinking it's because other people are also worried that they might get noticed that they also scammed us all, so they don't want the media uh, talking about this instance in case we start looking for other instances. Um, but no, yeah, the BBC is is conservative. Is everyone who's getting appointed to lead it is conservative, and they're friends of the conservatives. So they'll be they'll be friends of these people who are scamming us all. So they're just protecting their friends. Uh, it's unacceptable. <laughs> Not surprising. Yeah, uh, it's something which uh, James, I imagine, is going to continue because this is one of many deals which conserv- uh, conservative uh, government ministers signed. Yeah, with. People that they were friendly with. Helping their friends get into the fast lane for getting contracts that they were never going to fulfill, didn't intend to fulfill, but just wanted the free money. And we're seeing we're seeing that money getting seized at the border even. People trying to get the money out of the country instead of putting it to good use. It is embarrassing for the Tory party, but is it going to be embarrassing enough for them to lose influence or stop getting trusted as the fiscally responsible party? No, because everybody just believes that lie so hard. Okay, let's uh, move on. A couple more stories before we talk entertainment. And let's go back to Elon Musk agreeing to buy Twitter, because James, the last time we spoke about this, it didn't look like it was going to happen. And then suddenly Twitter went, oh, you know what? Sure. You want it? Forty-four billion is yours. Well, they could, yeah, they, they couldn't really stop him. They couldn't really stop him at that point. So they've yeah. uh, they've agreed a deal that Musk would buy Twitter for forty-four billion dollars. Uh, he said at the time mm-hmm. that, as well as improving the free speech principles of the site, he was looking forward to enhancing the product with <laughs> new features. Yeah, and you know, uh, yeah. as as well as the uh, the edit button, which has been requested for years, but, which has uh, also been promised already. Elon, it's been it's been in the works. Stop. Uh, so he's now said, uh, as of today, this is the uh, the fourth of May. Right. That ultimately, this is a tweet. Ultimately, the downfall of the Freemasons was giving away their stone cutting services for nothing. Twitter will always be free for casual users, but maybe a slight cost slight. for commercial slash government users. I mean, so there we go. Yeah, let's change. No, it kind of makes sense to, you know, charge people for using your platform for a bunch of marketing in general, even from um, the politics side of it. So, like, some of those things he's saying makes sense. I don't I don't think it's going to be easy to regulate that. I doubt they're going to manage. Um, but it's, it's more realistic than his other things, which is, like, verify everyone and don't let the bots happen. If that was an easy-to-solve problem, then, you know, Google would have done it for YouTube. Facebook would have done it for, for their platform. It would have yeah, been done. Yeah, yeah. Getting rid of bots, not going to happen. But like maybe charging businesses, I could I could see that being implemented kind of. I'm not sure exactly how, but 
Kind of. Uh, and what do you think of the deal uh, generally? Uh, the other story today, it is, UK uh, politicians have invited Elon Musk to Parliament so they can ask him about his purchase of Twitter, which I sincerely doubt he will do. He's just trying to have a more concrete influence in the world. He's got be- he sees Bezos uh, having his uh, Washington Post yep. and all of the influence that he can get by having articles published in favor of rich people and Bezos and stuff like that. And he's going, that's a pretty good idea. He's seeing, he's seeing how profitable it has been um, in terms of uh, power projection for Facebook just existing, how much Zuckerberg's benefited from that. He's like, well, that's actually pretty good too. And he's combining those things. I can be a rich person who buys a media hub, which is what Twitter has become. It's become one of the, the biggest ways to just get what you're saying out to the most people at the very fastest rate. And if he owns it, he can do anything he wants and he can manipulate the stock market for his own profit, even eat more easily. Um, and he's pretending it's all going to be transparent and open. He's pretending it's all going to be this haven of like good good free speech. You know, the free speech, but the good kind, which is impossible. Um, and it's all it's all it is, is a means for him to, to hopefully, in his world, profit. Because he can probably use it to crop up his businesses and their popularity and their share prices and stuff like that. But a lot of the companies whose shares are getting invested into Twitter to make this possible are a bit upset. Okay, James, one final story before we move on. And this is Dave Chappelle, who was hosting a comedy show Mm -hmm. in LA on Tuesday night and was rushed on stage by someone in the audience. So the suspect has since been arrested. He pointed a replica handgun with a knife blade Mm. at, uh, at the comedian. And as uh, video footage on social media has shown, he then charged at the the comic, knocked him to the uh, knocked him to the floor, and uh, he was. Other people quickly jumped on stage to make sure he was okay, and yes, he was unharmed. Um, footage then of the suspect being taken to hospital with what looks like a severely broken arm. Yeah. Uh, apparently, the suspect was taken backstage and um, dealt with. Yeah, which for about fifteen minutes. You know, not impressive. I gotta say, I think the entire security team got to get fired. <laughs> they, yeah. They let the bad thing happen, and then they kind of just broke a dude afterwards when it was already too late. So yeah, uh, they got their balances wrong. Yeah. So Chappelle did return to. The the stage, uh, he attempted to make light of the controversy, suggesting the attacker was a trans man. Which is really funny. It's a really funny joke that is intelligent, and I I definitely get it. (laughs) Helpful dialogue for Mr. Chappelle. Uh, But James, this is something which, uh, of course, after we saw the whole thing with Chris Rock and Will Smith, we did speculate that perhaps this was something uh, we we were perhaps more likely to see. But Dave Chappelle is someone who, over the last few months, has made himself that sort of target. It's still not any sort of reason for anyone to rush a stage. Shouldn't have happened. Uh, And as you say, security, where were they? But ultimately, is this the kind of thing, which I know it's too early to be able to point fingers and say, oh yes, this was definitely because of what happened to the Oscars. But it is going to enable people, as we suspected at the time, to go and do this. And it's fortunate that Mr. Chappelle was unharmed here. Yeah, I don't want to speculate on how much of an effect seeing Will Smith slap a dude is going to have on the psyche of the world but right. it is t- it is telling that this is pretty close to that event and maybe people's brains are going to like when they're angry go like oh wait that yeah that's an option when it maybe didn't used to feel like an option um i like this kind of thing isn't too rare edgy comics uh, edgy music artists and stuff like that 
they get a lot of people trying to rush this, rush the stages they have for a long time. It's just the security usually stops it. Um, and it, it kind of sucks to me that people put themselves in a place where they want to do that kind of thing, where they want to attack. Because you've chosen to go there, right? You've chosen to go see us, your pal. So you know that right now he's being uh, unreasonably transphobic and it's going to annoy you. Um, and the, the the intent of the person is obviously just to be there to cause a mess. And that's not good. It is not a valid response to what Chappelle is doing and saying and the harm he's causing. Um, and instead, all of these people who have clearly got a lot of hatred and energy uh, to direct at these bad things need to have a better outlet for it. I don't know what that outlet is. I'm not an expert. Okay, James, let's finish up with what we have been watching. And uh, and then we'll talk about a telescope, because I missed about that. I missed uh, that bit out. Oh, okay. Have you watched anything? Uh, actually, I watched uh, I watched a Wes Anderson film. Hey, which one? Uh, the Royal Tenenbaums. Interesting. I've never Tenen- seen it. Tenenbaums. Tenenbaums. It's it's very it's very Wes. It's very Anderson. It's exactly <laughs> what you'd expect from one of his films. It's kind of... On the surface, it feels like it's just uh, cliche, a little bit funny, a little bit okay. light, a bit contrived. Doesn't make much sense. The characters are all a bit quirky and unique. And but the characters are actually they've got some depth to them, and it's interesting. And you see, uh, I'd say I don't want to spoil it too much, but I think the characters, in their quirkiness and in their uniqueness, are all showing loneliness and a desire to try and find a reason to be. And it's an interesting take on that kind of a, a story. And okay. uh, while I, it, it's just a good Wes film, right? He's done some that aren't so great. This is one of the good ones. Um, and it's worth seeing. And it's got good performances across the board. Well, it's all um, his usual, like, actors and actresses he gets in all his movies, right? A lot of his usuals. It's in the like early Bill days Murray, where... Owen Wilson. It's Bill Murray. It's in the early days where Owen Wilson was still doing a lot of the writing alongside him because they were people... They, they used to collaborate a lot in college, I think. Um, okay. Um, so Owen Wilson's in it. It's Is it Gene Hackman? Oh, yeah. He's I in keep it. forgetting. That's, that's a name I keep forgetting. It's one of his final films before he retired. Uh, he retired so long ago that I keep thinking he's dead, but he's not dead yet. It, unless he I, died really, I thought today. he was dead. You can Google it right wow. now. I'm pretty sure he's not dead. <laughs> Okay. Uh, Wikipedia has a birth date and an age. No death date. No, he's still going. Just retired. Fair enough. Exactly. He's retired from acting so long ago that you think he's dead. He's not. This is a good performance by him and everyone else who is in the film. It is it's generally just good and charming and light while also being a quite uh, quite depressing in a very Wes Anderson way. Oh well, fair enough. And that's uh, was it the kind of thing you would in, you would recommend or enjoy or if, if you've seen some Anderson films and you enjoyed them, it's a good one to follow up on those. Fair with enough. Some of the more super acclaimed ones, but this is a solid, excellent film. This is the kind of film that you'd go to like Ebert, Roger Ebert's reviews, and you'd expect <laughs> it to be a good review. Right? Okay, that's the level. Very nice. Right. Well, I'm going to take that bat on. And talk about Eternal Sunshine of the Spotless Mind, because James, oh. I had never seen this movie. Oh, I've not seen it in a long time. A few days ago. It is on Netflix. It's the 2004 movie starring Jim Carrey and Kate Winslet in the lead roles, written by Charlie Kaufman and directed by Michelle Gondry, mm-hmm. a French director. It's also got uh, Kirsten Dunst, Elijah Wood, and a very young looking Mark Ruffalo oh, wow. in uh, supporting roles. So, <laughs> yeah. 
This movie is almost, uh, it's 20 years since it was filmed. So right. and fair enough, they do look very young. And I know that this film is a, a cult classic and regarded as one of the best movies of the 2000s, but I'm still going to avoid any spoilers about plot slash setup or how the no, movie plays yeah, yeah, out. Yeah, no, this is worth this is worth seeing pure, yeah. Pr- precisely. Yeah. I don't want to go into those that sort of detail. So what I will say very succinctly is this is a trippy, strange intriguing and really nicely shot and edited movie mm-hmm. because there's mm-hmm. so much going on here uh, and let alone the logistics of how they filmed some of this stuff yep. in 2004 yep. with as i read very few cgi effects everything they did in this film and i'm not going to go into any more detail as to why or what i'm talking about here just go and watch it it's fascinating as to how much of this they did practically. Right. There, there's some clever things going on. There's compositing and stuff. And so it is also, as I say, sharply edited to, to the extent yeah, 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 that yeah. scenes end unexpectedly mm-hmm. and you're straight into the next one without yep. any need for cutaways, exterior shots or, or setups. So, for example, Kate Winslet's character uh, is uh, hanging with an open, open car window uh, speaking to Jim Carrey's character and be like, oh, come on, come in for a drink. And he's like, no, no, it's it's getting late. And she's like, okay, fine then. And she shuts the door and the very next shot is him sitting yeah. in the in the house yeah. with a drink in his hand yeah. without any need for explanation or like a... Ref- what you tend to get with modern movies, which is like her walking away and then like a reflective shot of Jim Carrey thinking, <laughs> hmm, maybe I should have gone in for that yeah. drink. Like it's just straight into it. And it does this yeah. throughout the movie. And it's to start with, I was thinking, oh, that was unusual. That was, that was quite abrupt. But you really get into it. And, and the way it's done is so sharply uh, sharply written and, you know, storyboarded to the extent that I'm sure that when they were preparing this movie, they wrote it and they planned it to be edited like that. So, well, yeah, yeah, yeah. It's all in, it's all by intent, yeah. And they're treating you like someone who's got a brain. Intent, but it's also intentionally disorientating. Which I, which exactly. I really enjoy. It wants to make you put pieces together yourself, and then they sink in harder that way. Yeah, so highly recommend uh, this movie if you are yet to see it, and if you're after something uh, unconventional, but a bit weird, and a world away okay. from your modern yeah. Hollywood movie. And also, I did like Jim Carrey a lot in this. Yeah, he's very good in it. Okay, let's uh, let's wrap up one final review, and this comes from Anthony, who has sent in a review of James, something you watched recently. The Green Knight. I did. I was talking about this. Okay. Let's hear from him. Here we go. I'm back, Seesaw Parade, with another review, or rather a reflection for a movie and some other terrible life choices that I've made. (laughs) But first, here's the movie. Okay. A few weeks ago, while on a flight, I finally got around to watching A24's uh, beautiful and artsy film, The Green Knight. On a flight. This is the medieval tale of the fledgling knight uh, Gawain, played by Dev Patel, uh-huh. who beheads the mysterious Green Knight, but after a year's time must have a rematch and receive a beheading of his own. <laughs> exactly, yeah. A few friends watched this and vehemently despised it, so I didn't have very high <laughs> expectations going into this. And after the two-hour trippy movie was done, um, and I ruled out that I had not been served <laughs> magic mushrooms or something <laughs> on the plane, I remembered James's glowing review for this film, and I decided to challenge myself and make sense of what I had just seen. So here's what I came up with. I found this retelling fresh yeah. and without those stereotypical medieval airs and virtues on proud display. Yeah. 
In fact, I found Dev Patel's character to miss just about every mark in his quest to become a full-fledged chivalric <laughs> yep. knight. Now, yep. I don't know if this is a theme from the original fable text, but I detected a s strong environmental themes throughout the movie. The initial face-off between humanity and nature through the characters Gawain and the Green Knight resulted in humanity's seeming triumph over nature. All right. But through several symbolic devices and the final resolution of the film, it's evident that man's just weak and afraid of death mm -hmm. while nature always finds a way to endure. Mm -hmm. Now... To tie this movie into some poor life decisions, after coming away from this film with a deeper understanding of life and nature, I deplaned onto the beautiful island of Maui. Oh. Having grown up there, I definitely have a deep appreciation for all the flora and fauna, and I generally know the rules of not being too touristy and right. leaving damaging marks everywhere yeah. I go. Yeah. That being said... <laughs> I did catch the destructive tourist bug, and I went <gasps> on a snorkeling kayak adventure. <gasps> I've done this before, yeah, yeah. and know that you just look and don't touch. No because touch. coral is alive, mm -hmm. and it grows super, super slowly. Yeah, and it's all dying. Yet this time around, there were numerous times where I touched the coral. <gasps> I, I had to stop and fix my mask or my gear, and... Since you're out in the ocean, the only way to take a break yeah. and adjust yeah. is by standing on oh, okay. the coral. Okay. So, rule of not touching coral, broken. But what's worse is as I was trying to get back into my kayak, kayak at the end of this snorkeling debacle, oh, dear. I used the coral beneath me as leverage to get oh, out of the water. Disgusting. And with that... I felt coral crumble in my hands oh, and beneath me. It's going to come back. It's going to crumble you. <laughs> basically decapitated the coral night right there in the <laughs> no. middle of the Pacific Ocean. Oh, oh man. I feel, I, I still feel so horrible for destroying something that was just minding its own business mm -hmm. in the ocean for mm -hmm. the sake of my own, my enjoyment. I'm sure later in life I will... <laughs> have a tragic coral accident where I'll get my comeuppance. Well, on that bleak note, don't be a stupid destructive tourist. Yep. But do watch this movie. Yeah. It might make you hate tourism and other destructive habits that ruin <laughs> the environment. And you might enjoy it. But you know, that's a super different angle to what I said about the film. That was nice. Yeah. Yeah. I like it. You know what? We all do stupid things and make bad decisions. It's all about did you yes. learn from it? And will you be better as a result? And, yeah. And don't worry, the coral knight is not going to come back. Yeah, it's, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it's going to be in a year when uh, in Antony's just having a nice peaceful time in yeah. Ohio. And just like a giant yeah. thing. It'll be like the apocalypse. The four horsemen of the apocalypse and one is just a big thing of coral. I'm, you know, I'm just amazed <laughs> that the choice of location to watch this film was on a plane when I made it very clear on a plane. that there is ejaculate in this film in frame. <laughs> <laughs> You're, it's a bold decision. Did you edit that out? I don't remember. No, no. I was definitely kept that in. I think because of the but importance no, like, of it. Jane, the film, the film. 
yeah, the film incredibly artsy. It, 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 it's got so many like just vague hints to this or that theme that you can pull a lot out of it, and that's this. I'm really interested that that's the pool, and I like that. Um, but it's a brain on film. Only watch it if you like that kind of experience. Okay, very briefly because time is absolutely gone. Uh, Fast X, yes, Fast Ten, your seatbelts, as we like to call it. Didn't it didn't happen. It, it's uh, called Fast X, and it's upsetting. I would wait for the promotional materials. I'm sure there will be some Fast Ten, if, your seatbelts. If nobody says the line, it's going to hurt. <laughs> Vin, Vin Diesel's got to say it. Anyway, uh, they've started filming as of last week, and just days into the shoot, yeah. director Justin Lin yeah. has left. Yeah, uh, he's uh, quit the production into its first week. He is both di- was sent to be directing and had also co-written the film, yeah. and uh, he's out. He's out of there. So James, this is going to cost Universal uh, lots and lots of money until they find some sort of capable director who can helm what I believe are the tenth and eleventh are going to be the final pieces of this. Extend. Yes, there was eleventh one. This franchise, which just goes on and on and on. So they need to find someone. They need to find someone quick. And by the look uh, of Hollywood's yeah. current slate of movies, ain't much choice going. Well, so yeah. I'm really uh, unsure as to who they can get here. No, it, it's not looking promising. And I think really the, the main cause seems to be Mr. Vin Diesel himself. Seems to have had a bit of a increasing meltdown year on year and mm. is being very uh, not good at his job. And therefore people don't want to work there. And it's not too big a surprise. But, you know... I've always liked him, and it's just sad to see this going on. Uh, I want, I do want yeah. his franchise to finish without him being an embarrassment. Um, yeah, we, we, you're right, James, in that uh, I'm just reading this now, and I really should have done my research. <laughs> this is, uh, as you say, it looks like it's been as a result of a strong disagreement. Yes. This article at The Hollywood Reporter says it started as a talk about notes mm-hmm. with Vin Diesel, escalated into a major disagreement, ended with a slam door, Justin saying, I've had enough, this movie is not worth my mental health. It's, and it's not, he's right, Get walk out of it. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, it looks like this is disagreements over the script, also a location that had been secured but had been cut ah. in Eastern Europe because of its location well, to Ukraine. Yeah. The movie still hadn't cast one of its villains. And uh, then they said, or the studio had, had said they would be sending a writer to improve some of the dialogue right. for the actors, a move that was expected but not welcomed by uh, Mr. Justin Lin. Right. And uh, yeah, this then has ended with him walking out. It looks like uh, Louis Letterier Louis Letterier Letterier Louis Letterier That's the one. (laughs) Thank you. I made that up. He might be Spanish. uh, He's French. The Incredible Hulk in the first two Transporter films looks like he's going to take over. That's yet to be confirmed. But uh, apparently he's Universal's first choice. Honestly, anyone could do it and it would be the same. Um, it's going to be the same film regardless of who's in charge. Lynn had a had a, had, a, had his mark on it and that mark isn't going to leave just because he's leaving. So it's a shame to see people walk away from something that they could have finished. But if it's like taking that big a toll on you, you've got to get out of there. And hopefully it's a wake-up call to everybody else that's working there to fix the problems that they are causing and are having. Okay, James, time is up, so let's finish with the final story. The James Webb Telescope. Tell me, what what about it? What happened? All those months ago we talked about it, 
un- unfolding successfully and starting its tests. It's in space. Yeah. And, and now it's fully aligned and it's ready to start taking pictures. Hooray! No, it's really cool. What took it so long? Well, it's just a, it's a very fragile piece of uh, incredibly technical machinery that had to be perfect, had to cool down a bunch, had everything had to be f- um, mil- not not even millimeter, but like m- micrometer oh. accurate, beyond accurate. Um, so they've just taken their time making sure that everything's perfect before they before they start actually doing things. They've Fair enough. fully aligned everything, or should it? We should be seeing if at least if they're telling the truth. Some some good imagery from a brand new, incredibly large telescope in space. It's going to be cool. That sounds great. And I look forward to seeing the photos in about 10 years. They're going to all have very interesting patterns on them because of the way that the telescope is designed. Uh, but we'll get into that once we actually see one of them. <laughs> okay. Well, if you would like to get in touch with the show and send us your high-def photos from the tree you've been sitting outside of James's <laughs> yeah. house... How close have you been to space? You can... <laughs> You can uh, ceaseoperate at gmail.com. Tell you what, one final thought, and you may have seen this on Twitter. Uh-huh. There was a video which got something like 300,000 retweets, okay. which is in t- a totally that's a, bogus that's a lot of retweets, yeah. CGI video oh, no. reportedly taken from Antarctica of <laughs> the moon whizzing past. It's like a 25-second <laughs> video of the moon just being like, ooh, like going past like it's a, 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 a fast bird. Oh, and man. then for a split second, it blocks out the sun and there's a whoosh, like sound effect as uh, or as more like a whoosh, as the whole uh, video goes black. And then a couple seconds later, it goes past the sun like and everything goes back to daylight. Tr- transition sound 02 got pulled into that video. The thing that everyone thought would happen to the internet is just an enlightening of the human race. But my goodness, the things that we fall for, it's 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 embarrassing. And I fall for half of them as well. It's just it's so it, sad. Exa- well, I'm just, hell- you know, I feel like, and I did see someone uh, <laughs> uh, tweet about this on on the interwebs last week, people love correcting people. We do on the internet. Yeah, uh, and that is the easiest way to get an answer to a question is to ask it, then log into a fake account and answer it incorrectly. Incorrectly, and people will correct you. Yeah, yeah. the classic. Yeah, uh, and so part of me was like, are, are people actually actually falling for this? And they were. But as you say, James, people fall for that kind of stuff all the time. You know, yeah. Whether it's a a terrible. Clearly fake CGI moon whizzing past the the camera, or yeah, Brexit. Oh, you know, dear, people yeah. do silly oh, things. Boy, that, you got me. You made it too real, Colin. <laughs> the James Webb Telescope was supposed to be a happy story to end the, end hey. the podcast with. They were talking about Brexit again. Okay, okay. Well, happy pictures of space, hooray! And hopefully, <laughs> they will take photos of the alien civilization who will render this planet liquid instantaneously. <laughs> oh, just, just. Two years, Vapor. please. I, fall, I can only do two more years. To be fair, I did see this uh, Russian state TV of the nuke uh, with a 500 meter tidal wave over Britain. I thought, yeah, yeah, yeah. great. I guess, you know, <laughs> send it our way. At least we know. At least we know it's over. You know. And everyone's like, "Oh no, I'm, I'm terrified. What if this happens?" I'll be like, "Who cares? Nothing. Nothing you can do." <laughs> Just enjoy it. Get some popcorn. I would, I would be suddenly, suddenly gonna die and then dead and then, oh boy, I don't have to think ever again. I don't have to go into work tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> like, oh no, the urgent email 
from Western Bartonshire Council. <laughs> it was supposed to be a happy story, Colin. James Webb Telescope. <laughs> we're going to see Hooray! stars. Stars. Planets. Planets even. Wow. High def images. Space whales. Yay. Solar flares. Oh, I love it. Oh, it's great. Great, great times for humanity. And dear listener, if you share in those great times... How close have you been to space? <laughs> close. Have you booked a ticket on a SpaceX rocket? Or the blue thing, whatever Bezos is once called? <laughs> Big Dongus. Blue Dream? Oh yeah, sorry. Big Dongus. <laughs> I don't know if it's called Blue Dream. Anyway, Big Dongus, if you have booked a ticket on that, email us, let us know, seesawparade at gmail.com or at seesawparade on Twitter. <laughs> Why haven't you sent us some pocket change? If you're booking those tickets, send oh, us some absolutely. pocket change, please. Okay. James, thank you for your time. I know you've got work to do, so I really appreciate you <laughs> yeah, no, no. spending your last hour oh, and a bit been, with it's us. Been, it's been amazing. Right. I've thoroughly enjoyed oh, thank it. Thank you. Okay. Bye. Bye-bye. Q Tories. Wow. Ha <laughs> ha.